Welcome to a podcast by Mark Given to celebrate International Men's Day, brought to you by the Sainsbury's Inspire Network. My name is Daisy. I'm passionate about gender balance and diversity and inclusion of all forms. I support the Inspire Network through the Voice and Events team, and I'm an inclusion representative for the marketing department. I chose to nominate my marketing director, Mark, to participate in this podcast celebrating International Men's Day because I find the way that he speaks openly about the effects of mental health and coronavirus on his family very inspirational. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. So the first question I'd like to ask you, because obviously we're recording these in aid of International Men's Day, is would you be able to share a story of someone who's inspired you for International Men's Day? Mm, Sure. Um, Growing up, I was very lucky to have two great actually school headmasters, both at primary school and at secondary school. And my headmaster at secondary school was called David Torres. And he's definitely one that's hugely shaped my life. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a council housing estate. No one had ever gone to university, very low aspiration, and got to a grammar school and he was the headmaster. And I think he had aspiration for everyone, regardless of your background. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, absolutely believed in people to fill the potential. And from day one, he was very clear that anybody at his school should be thinking about, you know, doing their A levels, going to university and, you know, getting better in life. And that was just not something I would ever would have thought of. And not only on the academic side, but he, you know, spent an awful lot of time rounding us as individuals, um, both in the culture and the sporting and arts piece of life. And I, I don't think had I had him as a figure, I would have, you know, believed that someone from my street and my family, you know, could have gone from university. So he, um, he retired actually not long after I left and sadly didn't live that long. He had Parkinson's, but I, which I, you know, it was a shame that he didn't get to enjoy a long and happy retirement, but still reflect on. Within marketing, we've seen that you speak quite openly about your mental health and your family's mental health and those kind of topics. So what have you done to support your own and your family's mental health during the coronavirus epidemic? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One is, uh, let me share why I'm so passionate about this. An awful large part of my life has been supporting people, very direct family with, you know, pretty complicated mental health, you know, depression and anxiety. So my dad, you know, I, I remember going to visit him in, in, you know, mental asylums and finding him the right treatment. He's well now, but he had a long battle, you know, with depression and it's something he's always going to have. And I've got a lot of other members of, you know, my same family. And about five years ago, um, my cousin took his own life very suddenly. Um, he'd been a policeman in Northern Ireland during the Troubles and then obviously for many, many you know years bottled things up and that really rocked you know, me to the core. And, and I, I remember at that time thinking, as a leader of a large team, if I do one thing only, then I will create an environment where people can talk about their mental health. And, you know, when I was marketing director in Sainsbury's, and I think it's something that I've always, you know, really, really focused on because the stats are, you know, pretty poor, particularly in men, actually, in terms of young men. So that, a little bit of context. And then the family, there's no easy answer. You know, it was really tough for the kids without that social contact. I've got teenagers. So I think it was a number of things, building routine, you know, small routines, you know, kids getting up in the morning, all having breakfast together, getting into our schedules for the day, breaking for lunch, making sure we go for walks. We move things up. Sometimes we go as a four, sometimes we go with the kids, sometimes we mix it up. Sometimes we'll do a little bit of sport. And then like anybody else, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights, we connected them with family and friends at all sorts of Zoom quizzes. And I think those little points of the week, you know, really helped. So, so I think, you know, routine, you know, good diet, physical exercise, 
those things can't solve it, but they can help. You know, they can mitigate some of the impact of that one. And then I think now, as we go into the next month, it's just making sure you don't drift, you know, and actually regaining some of those habits. And then just talking lots. I sit with the kids every night before bed and I don't impose any conversation. I just sit and let them guide the conversation and just be really slow life down and listen and not be as busy and generally give them some space and some time to open up and occasionally probe. Just 20 minutes of chatting through some things, you know, just helps me sort of stay connected with where they are as well. Yeah, and you talked there a bit about being busy and obviously in your role, from our perspective, you must constantly be busy. So how across your career have you been able to manage kind of the balance between your work life and the busyness there? And then, like you said, being able to just slow down and be there for your family? Yeah, it's a good question. So in terms of my mental health, one of my challenges, I've got a very busy mind. I constantly were with tasks and got to do this, got to do that. And I've I've always found it very hard to be present. And I actually spent a couple of years ago, it was getting quite bad. So I, I went to see a mental health counsellor and actually a coach at work. And I just had to relearn some techniques to get me to slow down, be present and not be sort of manically busy. I found it very hard to switch off and relax. So lots of, you know, techniques just to ground me and bring it, you know, back to the present. And, you know, I remember at the, at the time a friend said, actually, I'm really surprised you went to see a mental health counsellor because I've always thought of you absolutely having good mental health. And I said, well, that's exactly why I have good mental health, because I'm very open to thinking about it and looking where I can improve. And just like my physical health, I'm happy to go and talk to someone, you know, through that period of time. So so I think it is something I'll probably always be working with just to, to switch off, to relax. And I, and I think it is harder when you're working from home. There's no question. You don't have that, you know, separation. And, and I think, look, we're still in early days of this. We haven't really fully understood the long-term impact. So I think it's it's one that, you know, I'll sort of continue to think about as well. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for being really open about reaching out for help. And you said your friend was quite surprised. Is it something that you've ever struggled to talk to people about? Or has it always been quite easy for you? Um no, I, I think it's a journey. I think when I, you know, started work and started managing people, I kept a very safe distance between my private life and my work. You know, I really wasn't open to talking about any aspect of my private life and I kept them very separate. And I think the journey for me over the years is that people work for the whole individual and that when you lead a team, actually it isn't enough for them just to know about your work life. They actually want to know about the whole person. And, and actually it took me a long time to get comfortable with that. You know, I mean, a decade of little by little, just opening myself up. And I think if you can get comfortable with that, you know, it's where the authenticity comes from. So it's when people feel like they're seeing the whole you and the human you. So, so the answer is no, I wouldn't have been comfortable having a conversation like we're having now for many, many years, actually. And I think, you know, I guess you just had a level of experience and maturity and confidence in myself that you can do that. And for me, it was little by little, you know, just it took, mm. it just, pushing the comfort zone, being comfortable 
and, and talking about my own self and feelings over quite a long period of time. So like anything else, it's a bit of a journey. And I know that we've already touched on about suicide rates and particularly in males. And I think it's great that you're at a stage where you're comfortable about talking about this kind of stuff. But perception is the reason males is because it's harder for them to speak out or even to recognise signs. So for, for young males or any males in the business who are struggling to to know who to speak to for help or how to make that first step or um how to get that self-awareness are there any tips that you have yeah i think um i think it's a real problem and you're exactly right people don't have enough people to talk to and don't open up i think it is getting better one of there's a great initiative back in Ireland where my dad is, and it's called Men Sheds. And actually, it's small community grants. Males typically a little older who who meet to do an activity. And I think for men, this is the key. So my dad goes along. They've got an allotment. They've got a walking group, and they just do stuff together. And, you know, definitely you find with men that if it's a central activity that forms part of the reason they're there, the conversation then builds around that. And actually, I've noticed that whereas it might rugby team, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it would have been, a very superficial conversation. It would have been, let's go out and do this. And what have you done at the weekend? And how was my work? And a bit boastful and, and banterish. I think that's changed a lot. I think, you know, people are asking the question of how are you and just waiting for the answer and asking it again. And actually, if they haven't seen someone for a while, they're sort of checking back in with them and, you know, recognizing that, you know, rugby training actually is a connection point in people's week rather than just a thing you do so, so definitely i think you know that's happening and so i think that's one aspect of it i think the other aspect as you know and i'm, I'm not sure if this is unique to males but there's a dynamic of males particularly probably at my age where you've spent a decade doing nothing but work and raise a family and you've prioritized all your life and you've neglected your connections and friendships so slowly but surely, good friends from university and schools or things start to let drift off. And you actually find yourself, if you don't protect those relationships with, um, you know, not many people you can turn to. And I read an article in The Guardian recently where the columnist said he needed some help to build a bed with two people. And he was embarrassed to admit that there was no one he could phone in the street. He actually, you know, ended up calling his dad. So I think the other bit I think I try to do is just you know pick up the phone and call people just work quite hard i don't have a huge amount of friends but i've got a small group that i've you know known over years but actually making a much more active you know to keep in contact and just to do that uh, that treat up and i know that's you know a particular issue across that group so so i think you know it is it is changing fast but i think nurture the relationships all the time and then when you're in trouble you're there it's probably the bit you know that, that i'd probably encourage people to to think about and then you know, actually, particularly if you move to a new city or a new job, it can be lonely. Lonely is a word that we still culturally find hard to say. It's actually probably more acceptable to say I've got an anxiety and I've got depression, then I'm lonely. And actually, that's where, you know, getting involved in, you know, clubs and societies and sports and, and that's not easy from an online world, but that's where you know, building activities in that usually works for me if you find yourself in that situation. Yeah, definitely. I think to be honest it's really great to hear that your rugby club has become a place where you now feel really open because it's those kind of like masculine sports um you could say where I don't know I'd assume it's where it breathes that like lad culture but thank you so much for being so open and for your time today and I think it'll really help a lot of people
Awesome. Look forward to hearing the final the final product. <laughs> thanks, Emily. Thanks for doing thanks this. Thanks so much. See you later. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks, bye.